Oranges and lemons resonated the bells of St. Clement's. Why is it? It's Clement's, isn't yes. it? It's not Clemens. No. So why, don't they, why, why do they rhyme it with lemons? Because it doesn't. There's not a whole lot rhymes with Clements otherwise. Well, then just just give up. And don't bother. I mean, you could you could you know I mean I say say lemons and trust that people know what you what you're about. No. Oranges and lemons. I mean, it's easier than trying to rhyme the bells of St John. Oranges and. Oranges and. I don't know what fruit rhymes with John. Uh-uh. Oranges and I don't know. We'll have to make well, you just have to invent a fruit. It's as simple as that. You'd have to invent a fruit. That's the only way around. Or just take some thingamies out of it. Just just say the bells of somewhere else. Well, the I mean, that's not going to be very impressed if you take his bells of St John away. True, true. I can't quite remember what they are. The bells of St John, the first episode. No. Nope. The phone on the outside of the blue box. Oh, the Tardis. No, yes. No, I was thinking of the bell, the bell of something or other that's like a biological part, or the somethings of something or other. That does not narrow uh, it down. It was in QI. I don't know. Um, I've I've kind of lost it a bit. That's okay. Basically, and I think probably I just I'm just going to shut up and 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 let you get on because <laughs> I think you mentioned something about doing a frith cast. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. 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 Welcome around the virtual campfire. Settle in, warm your knees, grab a drink of choice, get the biscuits as they go past and the biscuit tin, wave hi to Earl. You know the drill. You've been here before. Warm your bells of St John. Well, I mean, if you must. I'm just, you know. Peaches. No, that doesn't rhyme. No. But uh, yes, hello, you're very, very welcome here. Um, as always, kiwi. It's lovely to see oranges and kiwis. Say the bells of Saint. <laughs> no, that that's, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's not going to work. Um, the um, yeah. So where, what were we saying? We're saying hello. Hello, dear. hello. Yes, <laughs> that was the that was the bit we'd got got. That was that was the bit we'd got to. Yes. So, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, please. Continue. Thank you. <laughs> We've only done this for 135 episodes. 135 episodes. <laughs> we're going to have to start scripting. There's no, no we're not. <laughs> Why spoil the habit of 135 episodes <laughs> with a script now?
now. It's like, you're just sitting there and your brain suddenly goes completely blank and you're like, I don't know how English. <laughs> how is English? No. English is no. Yeah. Anyway. Lovely listeners. <laughs> I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. Some of it is useful. Some of it, quite a lot of it, actually. Well, occasionally. Depending on context. Yeah. I am Kate. I have a head full of nothing useful. Uh, I I know quite a bit about Star Trek, which, you know, has has its moments. Especially if you find yourself in the midst of a Star Trek themed quiz. Then you're you're golden. Then then you you you're in it. But the yeah. only one, the only pub quiz I ever got involved with really ended up being all about Elvis Presley, and I know very little about Elvis Presley because he wasn't in Star Trek. He um, was not. But anyway, I'm involved with all this because I uh, I'm I I am a I'm I'm not a heathen. I'm a sort of a coffee powered druidy kind of thing, and I basically live here, which is why I hang around. And and, and interfere with these um, podcasts. It's it's all good. It's all oh, good. Yeah. So before we get going today, we want to give a big and lovely warm welcome shout out to all our friends at Awaken the North. Hello, Awaken the North. Hello, Awaken the North. You are all awesome. If you are looking for an international, inclusive, and very very active heathen community with lots of discussions, events, all sorts of specialist channels on their Discord. Check them out. You could do worse. You could do a lot worse, to be fair. That was faint praise, wasn't it? Yeah. You could, you could do worse. No, I mean, you, they're, they're good. Really good. They're good. Yeah. We're, we're really good. We're very fond of them. And yeah. we recommend them heartily. And that. Mm. Yes. So, those of you who are joining us from uh, Awake in the North, uh, those of you who are joining us for the sort of squillionth time, welcome back. Um, those of you who are joining us are new. Um, wow, are yeah. you in for a roller coaster? Yeah, you uh, you you picked a moment. We're probably an acquired taste. You are. Uh, I'd like to think at least a couple of people have acquired it. Um, <laughs> I think they're you and me, though. <laughs> <you're> probably... <laughs> Touche. Um, but yeah, anyway, basically the gist is um, we all sit here around this um, this very, very virtual uh, campfire in the middle of this uh, woodland clearing, sharing a, a few horns of mead or cans of whatever or, 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 or delicate uh, champagne. What's that? How do you pronounce that word? It's got, an, got a Y in it. Those glasses that you put champagne in. Anyway, those. The, the, the tall kind of delicate ones. I mean, you can put them around. Or you can, like, have bottles of Coke. Other cola-flavoured drinks are available, obviously. Sorry about that. Soda. Soda drinks, let's say. Anything's, anything goes. It's all good. More or less. Coffee. And then we... Glass of water. We tea, usually... All of that. We, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we usually have a, have, a, have a waffle, a bit of a waffle about something. Yeah. And today, the thing about which we are going to be waffling is... Well, we are on now episode 136, so welcome formally to episode 136. 136. Settle in, warm your knees, shuffle up so everybody can get in around the virtual campfire in the clearing. It's all good. 
today I kind of wanted to do something a little bit shiny. Okay, shiny things are good. Shiny. This is some serious shine. We like shine. This is a bit of serious shine. Mm -hmm. And it kind of struck me that we haven't talked a lot about hordes. 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 Now, you don't mean a bunch of orcs attacking the walls of Helm's Deep, do you? I mean, normally, yes. But in this instance, no. Okay. You mean the other kind of horde? I mean the other kind of The horde. one with the A. The horde with an A? Yeah. Well, if it's a horde of orcs attacking the walls of Helm's Deep, it hasn't got an A in it. It's H-O-R-D-E. H-O-R-D-E. What you mean is a cache or stash of items... Possibly of some value. Yes. Which are located together in a bunch. Yes. And this is Horde H-O-A-R-D. With no E's. With no E. This is like Viking loot box. Yes. Frithcast does not endorse loot box mechanics. Thank you. No, absolutely we do not. Do not. Do mm. not get suckered in. Uh-uh. Um... No, so yeah, you've got you you've got like a barbarian horde, or an orc horde, or yeah. whatever, or or, or a horde of chickens. Chickens versus a T Rex. Yeah, could could happen. Big fluffy murder bird. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Or you have the horde upon which the great dragon Smaug would lie in repose, which is not chickens in the Lonely Mountain. That's H-O-A-R-D, the Horde of Gold. Talking about T-Rexes, do you know Sue the T-Rex who tweets? Yes. It was her uncovering anniversary day the other day, which oh, was, was really lovely. Oh, I missed that. Sue was very happy. I, she I, was having celebratory day all day. It always it always gets me when people when people say, of course, you know, like paleontologists. Um, can can never know what dinosaurs sounded like. What what noises did they make? I'm like, they made they tweet, they go tweet. They because do. I sue the T Rex. Sue tweets. the T Rex tweets. She does. It's awesome. Oh. Follow a T Rex on Twitter. <laughs> but no, this is the horde, the not orc horde. The not orc horde. They do not live in trifles. Not that kind of horde. Lost you. Never mind. Okay. Okay. So, what horde are we talking about? The, you know, like, like orcs and trolls live in layers, and layers have trifles. Oh, like donkeys. Yes. Not that one. The other kind of horde without the e on the end. An onion parfait. Yeah. Okay. Okay. With me now. <laughs> Does it make a difference? <laughs> Does it substantially change anything? In the end, are we not all half an onion in a bag? <laughs> so now we've established firmly the topic of conversation for today. <laughs> and we're only like 40 minutes in. That's what we're going to talk about. Yay! I thought you'd be impressed. I'm very impressed. I can tell. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> right, come on, come on, professionalism. Let's let's get this. Let's get this. Farago on the road, shall we? Farago. That's a pretty good word. Well, I'll have to work out actually whether it's whether it's an acceptable word for prior to before the watershed, and then bleep it out if not. Okay. But <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't know. It's just the first word that came to mind. Good word. Thank you. For me, it was clementine, but you know, you do you. Oranges and clementines. Say the bells of Saint. That doesn't work out. Clementines. Does I don't yeah, know. No. I don't know. That doesn't work. It's got to be somewhere in. It's got to be somewhere because it's isn't it isn't it to do with being Cockney? Or am I thinking of Bow Bells? Yeah. No, it's the London church. The sound of the London churches. Yeah, I know because I know if you you have to be born within the sound of Bow Bells to consider yourself Cockney or something. There's a rule like some sort of rule like that. Uh-uh. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Anyway. Moving on. Yes. So what what horde are we talking about? We're talking about the Silverdale horde, not the Silver horde. Not the Silver horde. Yeah. So we're not talking about Genghis Cohen. No. Or Teach. No. Or Hamish. What? What? <laughs> or Truckle the Uncivil. No. Right. None of those. Okay. Silverdale horde. Right. And the Silverdale horde is. The Silverdale horde. Horde is a pile of bling. Good. Now, we're going to backtrack a little bit and we're going to go on a couple of side stories before we get to our main main event. Okay. Okay. So side story side one. Quests. Side quest one, a horde and how you define it. Right. A horde is often made up of, typically made up of components like hack silver, which we'll talk about in a bit. Mm-hmm. Things like coins, um, jewellery and ingots. Mm. So ingots being just lumps of metal. Yeah. Uh, jewellery, things like arm rings, brooches, finger rings, penannular brooches. You can get things like that in there, yeah. in whole or in part. You can get monies, commonly like silver pennies, and you may get ones that have come from overseas in there as well. Okay. And you'll get this thing called hack silver. And hack silver is, it's all kind of to do with the economy. So pennies are one way that they pay for things in coins. The actual coins, yeah. The actual coins that are stamped so that you know it's definitely a real coin. We'll come on to that in a bit as well. Yeah. And, but there's another economy kind of running alongside that. Okay. And that's the economy, like a bullion economy. So it's goods by weight Mm. of money. Hence, you're wearing things like arm rings and finger rings. When you go to a market or to a traders, you're basically wearing the contents of your bank account on your arms and your sleeves. Okay. So when they say, oh, well, you know, I want uh, a new sword. I want a new piece of armor. I want new cooking equipment. Here's an arm ring. You know, balance it off. If you want, if it's only worth half an arm ring... You cut the arm ring in half, give the merchant half of it, and you keep the other half. Okay. So you're, you, you basically have a dual currency system. So you have the coins, which presumably are stamped, minted. Yes. By Official minty people. I was going to say, not, I guess not necessarily by the state, because we're, we're probably a little bit before 
organised. I mean, you've you've got, you've got kings basically. Yeah, and, yeah. and I know that to go back a little bit in history, one of the things that that um, Caesar Augustus is famous for, the first um, emperor of Rome, although he didn't call himself that. No, no, um, no, that would have been far too crass. Indeed, um, but one of the things he was he was famed for was. Uh, standardising the currency and having his face put on it. Yes. So that he was everybody all all over the empire as it stood at the time, or, I'm sorry, the Republic. Thank you. Um, just happened to have a... The very not empire. Very definitely not empire. Um, so, yeah, I, when I say probably not the state, I mean, I'm not saying that concept hadn't come up, but we're talking about sort of you know, your local kings or, or chieftains or whatever mm-hmm. would authorise the creation of Money coinage. Yeah, minters. Um, yeah, so... Um, but you've also got this fairly unofficial trade in in, in weight value. In Yeah, in what why you get hack silver in hordes. You mm. get pieces of things. Now, those pieces of things could be things like half a finger ring, part of an arm ring, part of penannular brooches. They could also be things like metal fittings off uh, books. Okay. Because books, at that point, they're incredibly expensive to make because you've got to hand make the whole blasted thing. Yeah. But they commonly will close them with metal clasps and metal fittings. Okay. Or they'll have metal corners on the cover. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So every now and again, you find like book corners in hordes where they've been ripped off the covers just for the price of the metal. Yeah. yeah. You might find things like, um, yeah, jewelry, jewelry bits is hack silver. Um, you might also find that some of your coinage is cut into halves or quarters. Oh, which is kind of where it's, where it's a bit of a mix of the two economies kind of blending together. So, yeah, you get what they call this hack silver, these these coins or items that are cut into pieces, mm-hmm. but still have worth as a piece. Yeah. Because they're using them on, on scales or the merchants saying, oh, well, you know, it's not worth a whole arm ring, but I'll take half of that or two finger rings if you've got it. Yeah. Oh, well, I haven't got two finger rings, so can you split an arm ring? Yeah, I can do that. And so on and so on. I ain't got change for an arm ring. So, I mean, the obvious... The obvious... Um difference would be that that um i mean i'm not a, I'm, I'm not an economist i don't pretend to understand exactly how money works but my understanding is that that these days um i mean you're you're talking about a, a system whereby they are exchanging value based on the actual metal yes so rather than the coin as silver a value, an arbitrary gold. value or whatever is worth so yeah. much. Silver, predominantly silver, but occasionally yeah. you find gold in hoards. Not very often. I've never heard you talk about hack gold, I have to admit. Hack gold, yeah. But... It's it's a lot rarer, but it, there are some smaller pieces of hack gold. <laughs> Always reminds me of those ads, but there was a, there was a, a period where there were a, there was a, a, uh, these companies that want to... Um, they'd come on and their adverts would go... Have you uh, got, you know, your? why don't you send us your your, your scrap gold. gold? Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is scrap gold? It's gold. You yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like that. Hack silver predominantly in hoards. So they're doing the actual value of the metal, where obviously we, we nowadays, our currencies, where it's not electronic, um, 
our currency it tends to be an exchange of value tokens rather than things with actual intrinsic value. So yes. it's um, like we we use um, um, five pound notes or dollar bills or whatever, which are essentially a pay the bearer to the value of. Yeah, they're yeah. A, they're a, pro a promissory note rather than actually having an intrinsic value yeah. of their own. Yeah. Um, okay, so. So the Silverdale hoard is two hundred and one pieces. Okay. So it's commonly just abbreviated to over two hundred pieces. Yeah, two hundred and one. It just <laughs> squeaks over the line. Two hundred and one pieces of silver, and it contains your hack silver, coins, arm rings, brooches, finger rings, um, and ingots. Mm-hmm. Lots of little scrappy bits, but there are some big spectacular bits of bling in there as well. Yeah. So, keep that in your head. Okay. Because then I'm going to set you when <clears throat> this thing is buried. So keep in your head what a hoard is and what it roughly is on the Silverdale, what the Silverdale hoard is in, which has got, it's got those typical components in it. Can I just highlight the recklessness with which you, who have been married to me... For over a decade. Over a decade. <laughs> have just told me to keep something in my head. I have. It's all right. I thought you knew me better than that. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. So. But the listeners can. Put a pin in it, penannular brooch in it, big sword in it, axe it to the wall. Whatever you're going to do, <laughs> just keep that thought there, but just park it for a minute. Okay. So I'm going to take you back to the year in... In, in England, in the UK of 899. 899, okay. Alfred the Great dies. Bad for Alfred the Great. Yeah. So he's succeeded by his son, Edward the Elder. Good for Edward the Elder. In He starts ruling the Saxon territories, but in the south of England. Okay. In the north, you've got Edward's sister, Ethelflaed. Right. And she rules Saxon Mercia, which goes all the way up to the River Mersey, Liverpool. Okay. Which is where Liverpool is. So, kind I've of west coast. Never heard of either of these kids. <laughs> at all. My English history is terrible. So, what you've got effectively <clears throat> is Alfred the Great dies. His two children then split the country north and south. Right. So you have Edward the Elder in the south, Ethelflaed, his sister, in the north, up as far as the Mersey. So that's Saxon Mercia, that whole middle bit, and he takes the bottom bit, so what is Wessex, Sussex, all of that bottom rich bit of Saxon country down that end. The sexes. Yes. Yes. So, 901, so two years after they've managed to get their butts settled into their royal new seats. Mm -hmm. Two years later, the Vikings are summarily thrown out of Dublin in 901. Okay. So Dublin is across in Ireland. Right. So they decide to just make the quick hop across to the west coast of England, to the Wirral and to Chester and Lancashire, and start going in there and settling, thank you very much. Okay. So, what you have then is a huge amount of tension between the Saxons who are already living there and the Viking lads coming over from Dublin where they've just been all kicked out and they're a bit disgruntled and they're looking for somewhere else to be. Right. 
So there follows 20 <coughs> years of wars. That's... Between the Vikings who got kicked out of Dublin mm-hmm. and the North and South Saxon armies who are trying to, you know, keep the peace, take the territories back, all of how, that kind of stuff. How many Vikings were there in Dublin? I don't know. I mean, a whole lot, I'm guessing, like more than five, one you, too many lots. If you know. get, it just strikes me that, I mean, obviously we're talking about, um, you know, the population of the UK and Ireland today is substantial, but back then, obviously, we're talking about a much, much smaller number of people, all, all told. But you're still talking about, you know, however many people you could that could have fitted in Dublin, mm. or 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 been settled in and around Dublin, which, you know, would have been probably still fairly big city, a big city, but yeah. tiny by today's standards. I would have imagined. I would imagine. So then they go, just do a quick wee hop across the water. And they're able to maintain 20 years of of conflict between two established kingdoms. Yeah. So this period when the Horde is buried, which is around 900-905 by conservative estimates, is happening just as this is happening. Right. So the king dies, his... He then has two rulers, and then the Vikings come over from, get kicked out of Dublin, come across the sea, start settling in Lancashire, which is north-west England. Yeah. Had to think about it then for a minute. So you've got a huge amount of kind of unrest happening in that mm. in that area. Um, Ethelflaed is fighting with her armies and her warriors and calling on a brother to send troops up north to try and contain what's going on, big period of unrest, probably affecting every city, town, village in either the fact that the skirmishes are coming there or they're getting conscripted into armies. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to affect everybody. And it's affecting everybody for about 20 years. Hmm. The, The skirmishes are huge. So this horde being buried around 905 is just after it's a few years after this starts happening so the silverdale horde they're dating it through the coins primarily um because coins have handily have dates on them and they can basically date a horde conservatively to a particular date by looking at the types and styles of coinage that's in there yeah interestingly there's a hoard found in 1840, not too far away, near the River Ribble in Preston, also in Lancashire, northwest England, called the Queerdale Hoard. Okay. That the Silverdale Hoard is just over 200 pieces. Mm-hmm. The Queerdale Hoard is, I think, about eight and a half thousand. Okay. It's huge. We're looking at the little one then. We're looking at the little one and. But there are still a lot of stylistic different stylistic similarities between the material, like the armrings and the jewellery, mm. that's buried in both of these hordes. But this one is very much the smaller one of the two. The oh. Curedale horde would probably take us several episodes to go through, so we'll just do the Silverdale one for <laughs> now. So, quick zoom through what's actually in there. Okay. Hack silver, shed loads of it. Yeah. Ingots, little tiny rods of metal or bricks of metal, 
uh, that they would either then make into objects or they'd use it as bullion in transactions. Yeah. You've got in that mix 27 silver pennies. Okay. Some of those are Saxon. Some of those are Viking copies of Saxon coinage. Oh, wow. And one of them is a silver-plated forgery. Oh, nice. <laughs> Instead of being solid silver, it's another metal that they've just put a silver plate over the top of and stamped like a coin. So it looks like a coin, but it's not. That's devious. <laughs> so, arm rings. Yeah. There's ten complete arm rings in the Silverdale hoard. Three of them are what they call the nested arm rings. So three of them kind of fit inside each other. Really beautifully decorated. They're all still whole. Hmm. Of the ten arm rings that are in there, five of them... This, this whole thing was found in a sheet of lead. Okay. There's a, if you imagine somebody's just basically dumped all their wealth out onto a sheet of lead and then bent the lead up and around it like a pouch. Yeah. And then buried the whole container. Not really a container, but kind of folded lead lump with all of their stuff in it. I'm not sure that doesn't sound quite sensible, actually. Yeah. It's not going to rot. No, exactly. No. It's not going to fall apart, but they clearly... They didn't have a container. When they buried this thing, they didn't have a container that was there that they planned to use. So they just grabbed yeah. a sheet of lead, folded all the metal up around it, and put it in the ground. Yeah. When whoever it was buried this... They put the container in the ground, but that wasn't the first thing. They dug the hole. The first thing they put in the bottom of the hole were five of the full arm rings. Okay. And then they put the container on top of it, and then they buried it. All right. Why didn't the arm rings go in the container? I mean... I don't know. Okay. I mean, if you think about a guy who's going, <clears throat> oh, pants, I'm going to have to bury this because I don't want anybody else nicking off with it there's mm. a whole lot of unrest going on he gets to the site where he's going to bury his wealth and he realizes that he's wearing five big chunky arm rings yeah fair point yeah yeah so he takes those off his sleeve drops them into the bottom of the hole puts the whole container of stuff over the top but he's already prepared back over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he can't get those arm rings into the container because it's all folded up and yeah ready to go yeah so yeah there's five full arm rings that were found underneath the container and then this sort of folded lead lump over the top with all of their gump in it yeah you've got brooches in there you've got finger rings in there you've got ingots in there and now going back to the coinage you also have one coin from the islamic world from baghdad okay in the silverdale hoard and you're like but what how does an arabic coin find its way to Lancashire. Well, I mean, we know, we've we've talked before, I guess, about the um, the sort of trade routes that were operating at the, at the time mm. and how um, materials from yeah. all sorts of goods and, 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 and stuff can find its way from sort of... From one know, from, end to the other. down in India all the way up to, oh, yeah, to wherever. Oh, yeah, to in Sweden in yeah. one case, yeah. One of the pieces of jewellery in the Silverdale hoard is actually made by twisting Arabic coins together. Okay. So they're not... In that particular case, they're not using Arabic coins for their value of being a coin. 
they're not it's like not an interchangeable money system they're using it for the metal yeah not the coin wow. so it's it's the most yeah it's the maddest thing so this um was found in september 2011 mm -hmm. by a metal detectorist who then reported it to the portable antiquity scheme which runs here in the uk yep when he took it out of the ground he initially figured it was just a sheet of lead yeah and then realized very quickly it wasn't not just it not was just not lead. even remotely close to just a sheet of lead so he reported it to the portable antiquity scheme mm -hmm. they then came in took measure of it and uh, you have to do an odd thing when you find things in the uk and there's some very strange laws governing how things how things work yes what you've got to do and when and how and it's not a perfect system but it's the one we've got yeah and in this particular case it worked really <clears throat> quite well yeah the we have laws in the uk relating to what's referred to as treasure trove and it it all hinges on the definition of what is what you define as treasure um, I mean, obviously, we we casual in casual speech, it's it's you know what you find in a pirate's buried chest and all that kind of thing, or or indeed under the 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 the, the great dragon's mouth in mm. the Lonely Mountain. But treasure in the in UK law has very specific meanings, and it relates to what property that uh, has been found can be um, kept, or at least the value of which can be claimed by the finder uh, and what has to go to the crown. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's basically, there are certain, there are certain um, stipulations for, for if, if this item contains, if this find contains, it has a, a couple of, um, couple of good rules. It's to do with a lot of it's to do with the sort of the, the, the number of coins that are found, that kind of thing. Or the percentage of the the items found, which are of a particular uh, gold or silver, mm. um, and ten percent is usually the the, the, the the sort of cutoff. So you've got different rules for things that are more than ten percent gold or silver, and different rules for things that are less. You also have a time limit of three hundred years. So things that are over 300 years old are generally treated as treasure if they've got a certain metal uh, percentage. If things are less than 300 years old, there then comes in another rule about um, its treasure if it's something that's been deliberately hidden with the intent of recovering. Do you know, I remembered something about something being deliberately hidden but i couldn't remember how it fitted into the rest of the rules yeah so if it's if, if something is is less than 300 years old but it there's evidence that it's been hidden deliberately with the with the, and the hider had the intention of coming back and recovering it but you haven't been able to identify an heir who would have naturally have first claim to the material then it becomes treasure and if it's declared i think if i think i've got it the right way around if it's declared to be treasure then it becomes then you take it to the the um there's uh the 
Treasure Valuation Committee. Mm -hmm. They will make a decision as to who gets to claim what value of the items. The items themselves will often be seized. Yes, until, by, by until the crown. a decision is made. Yeah, so it's all very, very um, precise and very technical and very legal. And it's not just a case of going out with your metal detector and finding something and going, well, hey, I found... Yeah, hey, coins. state, pay me. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't quite it has, work that way. It has to go through a long and arduous legal procedure that lasts for months and months and months, and then you yeah. might get a proportion of the value at the end of it. Well, in, in this particular case, the detectorist reported the find. It, it was declared uh, as treasure, and the Museum of Lancaster um, raised the fund, the value of the fund to purchase it. Okay. And then that money was split between the, the, the finder and the landowner. All right. So uh, at the moment, the Museum of Lancaster is closed, but the hoard itself, you can, it's on tour and it's actually at the Jorvik Viking Centre until February of 23, February next year. Oh, fantastic. So you can actually go and see it. It's been conserved, it's been cleaned up, it looks very seriously shiny. It's probably never looked that shiny in its life. <laughs> Even when it was being wrapped up and put Even in the Even when it was being ground, wrapped it was... up and being put in the ground, it probably did not look this clean. It's yeah. had a proper, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, detailing. Yeah, yeah. Conservator has been over it. It's now in environmentally, uh, environmental humidity controlled cases, in particular non-reactive... Um, brackets and holders and things that have been purpose-built to hold that one piece and that one piece only. Yeah. And you can actually go and see it and look at this whole thing. As usual, we will throw some links in the comments. But it's very much a different way of looking at wealth. Mm. What do we do now with our wealth in times of civil unrest? Do we invest it? Do we, like what happened a few years ago with the banks in Greece, go and try and take it all out of the bank because we fear there'll be nothing left? Yeah. And that causes a bank collapse. What do we do with our, in, in times of <clears throat> civil unrest or civil disturbance, how do we protect our wealth? We what are, do we do with it? When we're not sure about where things are going to go or, you know, what's going to happen to investments and so on. Um, a lot of people still now, as then, will rush out and buy gold. Yeah. You and know? Keep it. Because gold is always going to be gold. Yes. And the assumption is that gold is always going to be considered to be valuable. Worth worth the something. So, you know, it may not... Um, uh, it may not be... And, of course, nowadays we have, we have people who um, are... Are maybe our maybe in a way our new version of hack silver is cryptocurrencies. Yeah, you NFTs. Know, um, which again we also don't necessarily endorse, and we are not financial experts, so you no, know. But it's please consult the right people before making any investments. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's thinking about this person that buried this hoard and the Curedale hoard, which is just not far away from where this one was found. They're doing it in this kind of period of unrest. Yeah. And they're trying to protect their investments, protect their status, protect their wealth. 
they didn't come back for it for whatever reason. Mm, mm. Either because they'd just been drafted and they needed to go bury the wealth they had and they were going to come back to it afterwards and never did. You know, whatever. There's a thousand different reasons why they didn't come back and dig it up again. Yeah. Just forgot where it was. There's a story there and the chances are we'll never know it. We will never, ever know it. But it kind of then reflects back on us as inclusive heathens. What do we do when we feel... How do we relate when there's unrest, mm. when there's civil disturbance, when there is a lot of disgruntling going on in the societies we live in? Yeah. How does that affect us? How do we... What do we fear if we fear losing our wealth mm. and our status and our position, our stability? What do we do with it? Mm. What, what steps do we take? What can we bury? Yeah, what do we bury? And if you had to bury your wealth, what would you consider doing? Yeah. You know, if you had to put it away somewhere secure. Yeah. So, lovely, lovely listeners, thank you very much for joining us for this little Zoom around the Silverdale Hoard. As always, we will throw some links into the description so you can go and look at the shinies for yourself. There are shinies. Shiny, shiny. Shiny, shiny. It's not the only hoard in the UK. I think it's the third or fourth biggest one we've got. Mm -hmm. That Curedale hoard that I've talked about, that is your biggie. Yeah. And that would take us more than one episode to go through everything in there. So we'll just do the Silverdale one for now. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. If you want to find us online, you know what to do. You can come and find me. I'm Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook. You can also find me on Twitter at Githa in Jeans. And if you want to find me for any reason, um, I am on Facebook as Kate Coldwind. Um, if you're on Facebook, you can also find us at uh, on our little page at um, fb.com slash frithcastpod. And that will give you links to our group on there. Uh, along with our Discord server where you can find the virtual, virtual campfire. Yeah, and, come and uh, hang out with us at the virtual, virtual campfire. Join It'd be us awesome for, to see you. Come join us for a chat. Yeah. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sleep.